Hey everybody, welcome to episode 281 of Up for Discussion, the emotionally honest comedy podcast where we take your questions and dish out hot truths and tasty goofs. I'm your host, Tom Zalatni, and I'm alone in the studio again today, as always, but I am not alone in your ears or in your hearts because I am joined over the phone for this episode by my wonderful co-host, Jeremiah. We will be continuing with Sexy Summer 2020, working title, and talking a little bit more about sex education, but first... We'd like to take this time to acknowledge that the studio where we record is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands we occupy are not our own, and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. Uh, So we want to encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and the indigenous communities of that area. Okay, so, Jeremiah. Hey. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Been a, it's been a weird weekend, but I am in my new apartment, and it's starting to look like home, nice. and that's good. <laughs> it's always like, yeah, there's always that kind of initial period after a move where you're like, I guess, I guess this is fine until you sort of settle in. Definitely, and I haven't, like, I think I've slept one night at the apartment since I moved, because this weekend was insanity. <laughs> now it's like, okay, now I'm, like, moved in, and I can be in the apartment, so it'll start <laughs> taking shape. Right. Yeah, fair enough. Well, uh, glad uh, glad to have you here tonight. Glad to uh, to be able to chat. Uh, I know immediately post-move can be kind of an exhausting time to do anything, so I appreciate you making the time. <laughs> no worries. Happy to be here talking about important things like sex education, Indeed. of which I received none. Yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah, we. Um, so generally our show's format is that we get a question from one of our Patreon supporters at patreon.com slash up for discussion for like each episode. Um, But last week we talked about sex ed as prompted by one of our patrons. uh, And I was like, oh man, like this feels like what we should be spending the entire series on, frankly. And uh, you had stuff that you wanted to make sure to talk about as part of this and you couldn't make it for last week's recording. So I was like, okay, cool, let's do a two-parter. So that's what this is, part two. Heck yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, what do you think is like, uh, so, so coming to Gabe, our patron Gabe's question was originally like, what would you go back and tell yourself in terms of sex ed, if you had the ability was kind of the sort of, you know, hypothetical yeah. of it. So I guess kind of like starting from there and then we can talk about other stuff is it's like, so when I was a teenager and like preteen and was receiving some semblance of sex education, I was still... <laughs> very Christian. Right. And I was still very like uncomfortable in my own body and uncomfortable in my own gender and like didn't have the vocabulary for it and it wasn't something that I really had room to like look at and explore. So that whole kind of period of time was just awkward and uncomfortable and anything that kind of drew attention to where the awkwardness and the uncomfortableness lived in my body and in my psyche was just like immediately shut down. Right. And I was, I'm also like, I'm asexual slash demisexual. So even as a kid, like I knew that that like sex itself didn't appeal to me. Mm-hmm. And then having like that Christian element on top of it, it was always like, I don't need sex education because I'm not going to be having sex. Right. It doesn't matter. <laughs> and so I either like wouldn't pay attention or like my mom like wrote me out of a couple of the sex ed classes. But just in like terms of myself personally, going back and telling myself that like, hey, Sexual education encompasses a lot more than sex, and it's really important for you to figure out how your body works and what your body does. Even if, like, you don't think you're going to be using it in these ways, like, 
even outside of sex, having that knowledge of yourself and that knowledge of how things work is really important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That was uh, that was something that Kate and I touched on a little last week is because uh, I, I had kind of a similar situation to you, I think. We probably would have been good friends in high school if we had known each other then. <laughs> I, uh, probably. Yeah, like um, my, my situation was that I was also a like conservative church kid who was convinced like, I'm not going to have sex till I'm married. And when I have sex, it'll be so that I can make babies. And if there is pleasure that comes from that, that's great. But that's not the point. Uh, and <laughs> so I wasn't, you know, I wasn't ace or demi. I, uh, whatever the like polar opposite end of that was, I was a very horny teenager. <laughs> but I, uh, I definitely sympathize with the like, the repression on the like church level. Yeah. Yeah. Which like complicates things because it's like, and like, we're doing a sex education work like series, so nothing's TMI. Right. But like, as as a teenager and like preteen with all that like internalized shame and like body phobia and like it's not something that's ever like explicitly said. Right. Like, oh, your body's bad, or you can't like explore your body. But it was like pretty heavily implied. Right. And so it's like as a teenager, like I remember being like fourteen or something and standing in the shower maybe even younger than that, but it's like, like I'd started to like grow a bush and like I'd started to like form breasts and everything. And I was standing in the shower washing myself and I was like, am I supposed to wash my vagina? Am I allowed to wash my vagina? Am I allowed to touch myself to wash my vagina? Like, is that allowed? Right. And so even things like that where it's just like, like personal hygiene, like that's part of sex education because it's like part of like your reproductive system and your sex organs and knowing like what, what's a vagina safe soap and what isn't right like how do you clean this part of your body that you've never looked at before like that's something that I think should be included in sex ed and that's something that I felt like totally lost and in the dark about and like was never sure who do I ask when I have questions about my body right because it's like the schools I went to had like really cursory sex ed like even if I hadn't skipped some of the classes it still would have been like pretty useless right just from what I gathered from the other kids who did go. So it's like, even the stuff that I would have liked to know wasn't covered, even if I had gone to the classes. And it's like, as a teenager, I didn't use tampons because I couldn't figure out how to use a tampon. And then at one point when I was like 17 or 18, I heard some people make a joke about how like, oh, he didn't even know girls have more than one hole down there. And I was like, wait, is that why I can't get my tampon in? Like, <laughs> oh, I no. didn't even know. And that's my fucking body, right? right yeah. So, like, stuff like that. Because it's like, I don't know. The school I went to, sex ed, was kind of like, if you don't use a condom, you'll get STDs. Right. If you yeah. don't go on birth control, you'll get pregnant. Here's how <laughs> you put a condom on a banana. And then, like, even earlier than that, it was like, oh, when you hit puberty, your body will change in these ways. You'll need to do these things, like wear a bra and deodorant. And I'm like, okay, cool, but like, what about the other stuff? Right. Yeah, and and that also like, you know, all of the when you hit puberty, your body will change in like X Y Z ways is also really cis normative, right? Which is like, you know, at the time when I was going through school and receiving the minimal sex ed that I received, I uh, I definitely wasn't thinking about that, right? But like now I think about it, and I'm like, okay, if sex ed is being taught in schools now. I really hope that it is being taught from a lens of trans inclusivity, right? Where like, it's important to acknowledge that like, actually, depending on like, what's going on with you gender wise, you actually might not experience puberty the same way as people who like, you know, you previously were experiencing things, right? 
Like you, you yeah. might, you might be on blockers and that will change things. You might be on testosterone. That might change things. There, there's so much more to yeah. that conversation and like sex ed needs to sex ed needs to cater to everybody, right? It needs to cater to the queer kids. It needs to cater to the gender queer kids. It needs to cater to the abstinent and the asexual and the demisexual and like also the, you know, horny little cis het kids who are just like, you know, trying not to get yeah. STDs. It needs to cater to everybody. Yeah. And it needs like, yeah, having it is just like, it like one or two days in like ninth grade where a nurse comes in. Like that's not <laughs> enough. Oh, you guys got a nurse? N- not at the school I went to, but <laughs> <laughs> I know that sometimes that happens. <laughs> I, uh... Or like. I genuinely what, don't know if my high school had a nurse, like, I, like at all. Actually, I don't think it's mine either now that I think about it. <laughs> it's possible we did, and I just, you know, never had to go to them, but I uh, I don't know. I know they, my elementary school had one because I went to the nurse's office a lot, but I don't think my high school had one. I think if you got sick, you just went to the office and they called your parent. Right. <laughs> oh, man. But um, yeah, that's it. Like, it's... I um, Actually, I was a little bit... Um, I was I was simultaneously encouraged and a little bit like concerned. Uh, I had a conversation with um, Rob Green, who's been on the show a couple of times. He's uh, he's a high school teacher here, and I asked yeah. him like I was trying to figure out who. I, first, I was trying to figure out if my high school sex ed teacher one is still teaching there and two is still teaching sex ed there um because she was our uh like ethics and religious cultures teacher which is what moral education turned into at some point um so uh and she is still teaching there and actually she just got her phd like i think this year or maybe last year so congrats to her um but uh i wasn't able to get in touch with her about you know doing a guest spot for this but anyway i was talking to rob and i was like what like what is the sex ed situation like there now like what is it part of the curriculum more than it was when i was there is it still kind of an afterthought is it its own class like how do you guys do it and he was like well it's kind of been split sort of the duties for it have been split kind of 50 50 between the like phys ed teachers so it's like phys ed and health right and also the like ethics teachers so it's like you know ethics and learning about religion and whatnot but also a little bit of sex ed um which makes sense uh but the other thing he said is nobody is specifically trained for it though every teacher is now given a sort of blanket course on how to teach sex ed in case it ever comes up so i was like i was kind of encouraged by that because i think like it is good for all high school teachers to know how to talk to their students about that kind of thing definitely on the other hand would it kill them to have some like dedicated teachers who are like you know maybe even just the phys ed and ethics teachers should have like a little bit of extra training in that instead of it just being the same as everyone else you know like if you're going to make it part of their curriculum it should probably also be part of their training I don't know absolutely I would agree (laughs) and if they can't take the time to specifically train teachers at each school even just having like because I know some of the school districts back in BC they'll have like a nurse for the district who like travels around sure and does more in-depth talks so it's like if you give your teachers basic training and then you have this nurse come in and do like series of workshops right yeah yeah no I don't know. I just, <laughs> the other big thing that i think should be incorporated into sex ed is like parental involvement and yeah. parental resources and i know that that's not always like 
super feasible. Like if if the child is like trans and they're closeted and they aren't out to their parents, then you don't want to be like necessarily giving the parents like trans specific resources. Sure. But at the same time, if the parents understand it better, that facilitates the conversation. Right. But I think because there's always when I when I've seen debates between more like conservative leaning like parent groups and like more liberal parent groups, there's always that like, well, it's like the parents' job to teach their kids about this stuff at home. Right. But it's like. Your parents aren't trained nurses. Your parents aren't <laughs> medical professionals. A lot of parents didn't get a great sex education either. Right. But it's like when I was working in like early childhood education, a really big part of our job was just like directing parents towards mm. suitable resources. Right. And I think something like that with a sexual education focus would be invaluable yeah, and having like hosting seminars at the school that parents, like interested parents, can come to and be like, I don't know what's going on in my kid's life. It's kind of awkward for us to talk about it together. <laughs> but if I could get like some tools in my toolkit, I'd feel like a lot better about talking to my kid. And even right. then, having like trained nurses or like sex education specialists available for parents to ask questions to. Mm. No, I think that's that's a really uh, that's a really good idea. Like, who are the parents? supposed to talk to when they don't know what's going on it's like well hmm, who do i call up my family doctor not always the best resource <laughs> right no i think i think that's a really good point but like yeah there there ought to be ways to inform parents about like everything so that you know it doesn't necessarily out students to their parents because you you want the school to be a safe space for students yeah. who aren't out at home right but to make sure that the parents like have a base knowledge of everything going into it, like mm-hmm. just to be equipped. Right. And it's hard. Cause that, that then requires like, okay, so let's take the example of you and me in high school. Right. If we as students were like already deciding, like, I don't want to learn this for X, Y, Z reasons that we, you know, now I think, were not good reasons but like at the time like you know i I did appreciate my my high school ethics teacher saying like okay i'm not gonna like force you to learn how to put on a condom but like i'm not gonna let you sit out of the class either because i think this is important for you to learn just in case um but like you know if if we as students had the ability to say like i don't want to learn this because i don't think it applies to me it would be hard I think to get some parents on board as well right like there there will be just as many if not possibly slightly more parents who like have that same like adverse reaction to like to doing that learning but even with those parents existing like I mean ignorant people are gonna exist right like ignorant people are gonna be ignorant but having that resource available means that the parents who aren't choosing to be ignorant don't have to be ignorant. Yeah. And I think like you run into problems like that anytime you want to make like a major change right. in a system that already exists. Is it's like, well, people are going to resist it. And it's like, obviously people are going to resist it, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't go ahead with it anyways. Like if what we're looking for is like a cultural shift in how we discuss sex and how we discuss sex education and how we discuss body positivity, like, you got to start somewhere and you got to start small and you build momentum. And as like the culture in classrooms changes, like the kids will be more comfortable, which will help the culture at home change. And then the parents will be more comfortable. And then like the culture within like the community will like change yeah. slowly. But I feel like 
you gotta you just kind of gotta dive in and be like we'll start with those who are interested and then see how far we can push this thing right yeah exactly i think a lot about um (laughs) and this is like you know telling of my age but my (laughs) like my kind of touchstone for high school now is glee right because it was it was on when we were in high school and it's also like the high school show that I like have rewatched since, you know, like I don't really watch Degrassi and I don't really watch any, I mean, I can't think of it literally any other show set in a high school. So clearly the only school, the only show set in a high school that I have ever watched basically is Glee. Um, and I think about how like there was a certain amount of like sex ed that happened for the parents in that show kind of throughout the course, right? There's, mm-hmm. there's, you know, when, characters on the show are going through a teen pregnancy the parents are there and they're involved and they're you know having to address it in different ways based on you know who they are as people and when there are queer characters who come out to their parents you see sort of the development um i'm thinking especially of mike o'malley's character uh, bert hummel who like his he is the like dad of the like gay kid at the school who like you know from the very beginning you can tell he kind of knows his kid is gay and it like takes you know a season or so for him to come out and like he's like yeah i know and it takes him a little while to kind of fully get on board but when it comes to supporting him and also making sure that he's safe both sexually and just like in the world he is immediately there and he is immediately like on board to the point where i there's like a storyline at one point where he's like you know wanting to have sex for the first time with his boyfriend and his dad like i think has like kind of picked up on the fact that that's like maybe going to be happening sometime soon and like has a conversation with i don't remember which one of them but certainly with one of the two of them about like making sure that they are being safe and like for for that to be shown on tv i think was important you know to to have a like parent figure having to kind of deal with that and like deal with their own biases against it and then deal with Mm -hmm. how do I best support my kid and like you know for this like straight dude in his 40s who's never had sex with a man he's like I don't know how to do sex ed for my gay son what do I do and like to have that kind of I guess the point I'm making is seeing that on TV was encouraging to me because I think it can happen in real life but I think that the more the more openness there is for that, both in terms of like having those conversations start, you know, with the students and then move outward toward their parents uh, and also having those things, you know, those conversations happening in the media, like that, that is only ever going to be a good thing. That's exactly it. It's like, as we make it less taboo, we make it safer and Mm. not, not even just like sex, but bodies, like the amount of shame about a body that I had, honestly still to this day like if there was just space and opportunity for kids to talk about the way that they feel about their bodies yeah and the things that their bodies do and the weird things their bodies do and they're like i don't understand this what right it's like why why is anything about the flesh we wear around the world taboo like it's just ridiculous like this is our whole lives are bundled up into this fucking meat package the least we could do is make space where we can talk about it (laughs) yeah no that's it i i think like it took me a really long time i think to get to a point where i would meet other like male presenting people who 
openly talked about like body image things um because like because for me like growing up I definitely had a lot of issues with my body image and like when I think about myself in high school I was convinced that I was fat and I was convinced that I was ugly I saw a photo of myself from high school (laughs) this week uh or not this week but you know time is irrelevant it's a podcast sometime in the past little while uh a like (laughs) Facebook memory from like 10 years ago now so my like graduating year um came up and it was like a group shot of uh, all the people in my class and in fact it was in the same classroom that we got sex ed in which is kind of funny um and I was looking at like I was looking at all the like faces of the people in the classroom and like it's weird because I don't currently find myself hotter than other people like by default you know like the, you know when you like look at I don't know if you do this but <laughs> I feel like a lot of people will compare themselves to other people right and you'll you'll have people in mind and you'll be like I feel like I'm hotter than that person but I might not be hotter than that person and I'm definitely not hotter than that person and when I was in high school I was convinced that I was ugly I was convinced that I was just extremely unattractive I looked at that photo and I'm going to tell you now, 10 years later, looking at everybody, I was definitely the best-looking white guy in that class. <laughs> and Love that confidence, Tom. Yeah, I was, like, looking back, I'm like, okay, no, like, a couple of the black guys that I thought were really hot when we were in high school, I still think are very cute in this picture. But I'm definitely better looking than the other white guys in this classroom who I didn't think that I was better looking than back then. And that feels nice. <laughs> and that does feel nice and I think about that and I go okay I've also seen photos of myself from high school where I look like a string bean I am so gangly and skinny looking and yet when I was in high school I really thought I was fat and like I'm definitely fatter now than I was in high school and I'm definitely a lot more okay with that than I was then but like I kind of feel like my body I like grew I grew in fatness while also growing in like self-image confidence if that makes sense yeah no that does make sense yeah and And so like i i think that that conversation needs to start happening younger and like you know the there there needs to be kind of an emphasis in like teaching young people about like their bodies on this idea that there is no bad body yeah absolutely and like because i remember like when I was in high school and sex ed was kind of happening, not necessarily in the sex ed classes, but like when the girls got separated from the guys, like they would talk to us about eating disorders and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then like I checked in with some of my guy friends and like they didn't get that same talk about eating disorders. And I'm right. like, they affect male presenting people just as much. And yeah. so that whole like separation between like what's, what's a girl's issue and what's a boy's issue during adolescence, I think is also something that needs to be deconstructed especially when it comes to sex ed. Yeah. So that, yeah, you could have had that conversation about like, this is what an eating disorder looks like, feels like, how it affects your thought pattern. Because it's like, if you had been aware of that, then you could have been like, oh, like something in my brain is telling me I'm fat. But if I like objectively look at myself, that's not true. Right. And not to say that that's always enough, but like that's a skill that like I was taught as a supposedly teenage girl that like none of my male friends received right well and and that's like that's only half of it right because you can you can do all of that educating as well giving giving young people the tools to like objectively look at themselves and say like i am not fat but the other thing that's important is teaching them that if they are fat that's 
totally that's okay, okay. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, like, and it's I was, hard. I was really lucky and I grew up with a mom who always said your weight doesn't matter as long as you're like like able to do what it is you want to do. Mm-hmm. So like still a little ableist, but sure. not like fat phobic in any way and right. it's like I never I never worried about my weight. Like I've noticed in the last like year I've kind of started thinking about it, but that also has to do with like the industry I currently work in. Mm-hmm. And it was like so mind boggling for me to be like, oh, there are people who have lived their whole lives worried about this or thinking this way about their body. Right. But it's like, yeah, I think that's the thing that needs to be like emphasized more in schools. It's like your weight is not indicative of your health in any way. Right. Yeah, that's it. There's like, yeah, I, I really appreciate like you bringing up the like ableism side of that too, right? Where like, because yeah, at, at first glance, as long as you are like physically capable of doing the things that you want to do, it doesn't matter what size your body is. Like at, at first glance, that's a great idea. Right. But it's, <laughs> it's true that that like definitely doesn't account for people who for a variety of reasons are not able to, to do that. Right. And like, it's a thing that I've been learning the past few years is like, there's not, there's not one thing that a disabled body looks like. You know, like I know lots of people who outwardly seem like they are just like regular able-bodied people and like, I mean, even just saying the phrase regular able-bodied people (laughs) feels ableist, right? Yeah. Well, that's it. Like I, I, I know people who, you know, at a glance you don't know are disabled. And then when you talk to them and for more than five minutes at some point it will come up like, yes, I have narcolepsy or yes, I have chronic, um, chronic migraines or or chronic fatigue syndrome right all these things that are invisible and like super fucking debilitating and like yeah it's it's important to remember that like no body is a bad body but also that like what you can do physically is also not a like marker of your value as a person yeah and like teaching people to value like like to continue to value yourself even if your physical ability changes or deteriorates because that's something this isn't really sex anymore but it's still body stuff Mm -hmm. like because I have a few chronic conditions and like I used to be a really high level athlete and so even the last couple years like admitting to myself that my capacity has changed right it's such a hard thing to do because like in the society I participate in like that's not something that you're told is okay like when your body starts to break down or act different or change, you're supposed to try to fix it to get it back to this like standard of performance and functionality, which is, you know, a very ableist standard and exists because like capitalism needs you to buy into the myth of ableism so that you can run their fucking money machine. Right. But it's like, yeah, just like being able to tell kids like no body is a bad body. You might not be able to do everything your friends can do, your friends might not be able to do some of the things you can do, but like your body is good the way yeah. that it is. And you don't have to fight to change your body. You don't have to fight against your body. Your body is your ally, regardless of what your body looks like. Mm, I like that. <laughs> Me too. I just said that and I was like, ooh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice when you say a sentence and you're like, oh, that's a quote. <laughs> um, but I think that that does play, like, I know that while we were talking about that you said like this isn't really sex anymore it's just body focused but like I think that it does play into like sex and sexuality because like there there are also physical limitations to what people can do 
in the bedroom, right? Like, you know, like both in terms of like, there are people who are ace and demi who like, you know, won't want to have sex necessarily, but even with people who are like, just like not, I I don't know what the like actual term is for a non ace person. Um, I mean, I guess it's sexual. Yeah. Sexual. Right. (laughs) So even (laughs) for people who are sexual, like everyone's got a different libido, right? Like some, and like, you know, you're not necessarily going to have the same libido as, as all of your sexual partners, right? Like you might. And your libido isn't even going to stay the same. Like it's going to fluctuate hella. Right. Even from day to day, from month to month, from, you know, say early in your relationship to after you have a 19 month old, you're, you're not necessarily going to have the same libido all the time. And like there, it's important to have those kinds of conversations when you're learning about this stuff about like communicate with your partners, communicate with yourself, pay attention to where you're at and like, don't feel like you have to always match a certain level in order to be like good at what you're doing both in terms of like you know like you were saying with athletic performance but also with you know sex like you might have (laughs) sex you might have sex three times in a night right some couples do that you might have sex once a week (laughs) you might have sex never and be totally okay with it like there's there are there is no wrong way to be a person (laughs) yeah 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 Especially when it comes to, like, those intimate relationships, because I feel like, I, I don't want us to go too long today, but um, the, like, in Western North American society, like, the way we're taught to view intimate partnerships is it's, like, if you can't satisfy your your partner sexually, like, you don't deserve to be in that romantic partnership and that was like a big thing for me being ace is because like like i'm not sex repulsed like i'm a sex positive ace sure i enjoy it from time to time but like there was so much sex i was having in my relationships because i didn't like i knew that i could say no but like i didn't know that i could say no right right like once you're in that relationship it's kind of one of those expectations of like you can't say no all the time because then why are you dating this person and so, like, normalizing, like, non-traditional relationship structure right. as part of sex ed, as part of consent education. Yeah. Just, like, that would be major also. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. No, that's it, right? It's it's about, like, you have to always be communicating whether you're, you know, whether you're in or you're not, right? And, like, that, you know, also raises the question of, like, maybe that means that sex ed needs to also con- contain conversations about polyamory, right? Or, or yeah. you know, open relationships or, or whatever, you know, however you want to frame and view that, like the more masturbation, right? <laughs> if you, if you are, you know, if you're in a committed monogamous relationship, but one of you has a way higher sex drive than the other, maybe the solution is for that person to jerk off more. Right. And like, that's okay. And that needs to also be destigmatized. And like, it's, yeah. it's tricky because that like that, I feel, I mean, I feel this is like a whole longer conversation, obviously we're running out of time, but like, it does yeah. feel like that's another thing that is like stigmatized a lot. Right. But like, if you want to have good sex, one of the best ways to make sure that you know what you want is to figure it out alone first. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, if you're, 
if you're a sexual person and you're feeling like your your sex life's not great, it's possible that it's because your partner is not good at sex, but it's probably more likely that you just don't know how to express what you want. And the best way to figure that out is to, you know, practice. Figure out what you want. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that kind of like autonomy of desire. Because mm. like, yeah. again, with like a pretty like patriarchal, cis normative lens on sex and intimate relationships, a lot of the time the like female partner is expected to sacrifice their own pleasure right. or not prioritize it for the sake of the other person. And it's like, that's not how you have good sex. Nope. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's not a... like, and it's like girls are made to feel like so much dirtier. Cause it's like, even as a teenager who skipped sex ed and wasn't sexually active and like avoided talks about sex at all costs, mm-hmm. like in the kind of like joking teenage culture, it's like, Oh yeah, guys masturbate, guys jack off. Hella guys are horny little whatever but no one ever talks about like female masturbation no one talks about like women or like female presenting people have just as high of a sex drive and like just as much autonomous desire yeah I, i mean honestly like if i think about like people that i have known in my life who have talked openly about their sex drives i'm pretty sure i have known far far hornier women than men Oh, just kind of on average. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> so, and and in in my personal experience, the women are interested in having far more interesting <laughs> and involved sex. Yeah, yeah. It's it's less it's less uh, lazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Usually. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. Um, final thoughts before we wrap this one up, just because I'm noticing the time. Um. I have no thoughts. Brain empty. Fair. I think this was good. This, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I think we can talk for for hours and hours and hours about like sex ed and like what a sex oh, ed curriculum would look like in an ideal world. But I think that the like best kind of summary of it is like the more the better. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The more the better. <laughs> Diverse, inclusive, frank. Yeah. Unstigmatized. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Don't that's let it. Catholic schools do sex education anymore because they're shit at it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you say that. I feel like public schools aren't necessarily that much better. <laughs> yeah, true. But at least they'll show you how to put a condom on. That's true. I did get to see a wooden dick in high school. That was that was <laughs> one thing. <laughs> was that your sexual awakening, Tom? Uh, 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 anyway, thanks so much for listening. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks, Jeremiah. This was fun. Yeah, thank you. Do you uh, do you have anything to plug while we're here, or any like you know words of wisdom for people? Final message, uh, kind of deal. I have no wisdom, um, <laughs> and I have nothing to plug. Fair enough. So, well, uh, I um, hope I hope the like continued settling into the new place goes well. Enjoy it. I will do my best. Cool. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. See ya. And that brings us to the end of our show. If you like this episode, please consider supporting us on Patreon. 
you can go to patreon.com slash up for discussion to do that. And if you do, you'll be joining the ranks of fine folks like Patrick, Gabriel, Kendallin, Carlea, Thomas, George, Poppy, Killian, Sarah, Angelica, Will, Anne, Andrew, Laura, Kate, and Erica. You'll get early access to any bonus content we put out, behind-the-scenes updates, and a lot of other sweet perks. So please go and check it out. Uh, and also, we do give a portion of our net proceeds, so like everything above our operating expenses, to local food banks, indigenous charitable organizations, women's shelters, and uh, black charities. So you know help us out and you're also helping us help others which feels nice (laughs) and uh yeah on our patreon you'll also get little updates about like where those donations are being made any given month uh so again that's patreon.com slash up for discussion if you want to donate and you can do as little as a dollar um and it uh, goes a long way yeah if you don't want to spend money but you do want to support us that is also cool i understand during a pandemic is not a time when everyone necessarily has extra money lying around so uh, if you want to support us for free you can do that by leaving a rating or review on your podcatcher of choice or by sharing this episode with a friend uh you can follow our show on twitter at down with talking and like our page on facebook and uh yeah that's it i don't have anything to plug this week either so i hope you guys have a good july (laughs) that's it a good july it's mid-july I hope I hope you have a good mid-July. Uh, special thanks to the Honeythorns for letting us use their song Crack Apart as our theme music. You can find all their music for sale at thehoneythorns.bandcamp.com. And this show is produced and edited by me, Tom Zalat, and I for the Upford Network. There's something I'll plug. The Upford Network. Go to it. It's the network we're on. There's a lot of great shows. I'm on a couple of them. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. See you next week. Dungeons, Dragons, Canada, the Multiverse Theory, Corgis, Queer Representation, Reconciliation, Angels, Demons, Squirrels, Moose, Moose and Squirrels, Sorcerers, Dinosaurs, Forests, Giants, Rogues, Warlocks, Plains, Sewers, Lavender, Natural Toonie, a Canadian Dungeons and Dragons podcast, right here on the Upford Network. Hi, I'm Howard Mitnick, host of Gateway Music. Join me as I talk with people about the artists and albums that changed their lives, and about the artists and albums that changed mine. Available on the Upford Network and wherever you get your podcasts.